let's get started hey everybody welcome back to another episode of our, our odd, odd pod, pod podcast. podcast a podcast dedicated to the odd the macabre and everything in between and everything in between i'm excited because i've had a fair amount of cold brew at this point <laughs> but also it's another billy episode yeah not that i'm not excited for your episodes but I got to get myself hyped up because I'm about to talk for like a fucking hour. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm already doing like the puberty voice thing. <laughs> uh, I like it when you do episodes because it kind of gives me a chance to catch up on other things. Yeah. Um, especially with like a holidays coming up. My schedule gets a little bit crazy. Yeah, it's about to get crazy, but good news, no Black Friday this year, right? Right, there's no Black Friday this year. What a year. great thing. Maybe everyone will just see how awesome Cyber Monday is and stop fucking having Black Friday. Yeah. Um, I will miss out on the time and the half, but whatever at this point. Whatever. You know what? Do something. Close the store and have you guys come in and do other stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um. So how's it going? Uh, So far, so good. We're also recording, like, smack dab in the middle of the day. Smack dab in the middle of the day, which, uh, translation, it's 5 o'clock. Well. It's actually later than than you thought, huh? Because I felt yeah. like it was earlier than this. I thought it was earlier. And then I just looked at the clock just now. It is not earlier I should probably not be drinking cold brew. You should probably not be drinking what? I should probably not be drinking cold brew. Cold brew. Oh, I'm drinking me some cold brew. You know, uh, English is hard for me. No, it's just like... Not that I speak another little, language. You had like a little accent that came out. It's because I struggle. That was Countess Von Fifi returning from the grave. Coming back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Speaking of Countess. Speaking of Countess, this week we're going to be talking about vampires. I'm really excited. Also, I should say... I started off, I wanted to talk about vampires, like, as a whole. Mm -hmm. It was so overwhelming, so fucking fast. <laughs> so I decided to get a little bit more specific, but well, we'll get into that. Vampires have, A, been around for, like, forever. 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 And then, like, there's so many different types of vampires. Like, do you go into, like, specifically, like, New Orleans vampires at all? Um, Not really, but, like, American, yes. Okay. The thing is, like, there have always been kind of these ideas of things that drink blood to survive, but they weren't always vampires. So, like, in antiquity, there were things that sort of led to our idea of what a vampire is, but they weren't specifically vampires. So, like, I decided not to try, not to go that far back. Okay. But, like, for example, something I found before I got totally overwhelmed and sidetracked, <laughs> and I forget what they're called because they were in my other notes, but there was some um, creature from, like, Hindu legend, right? And basically, these things were, I guess, sort of revenants. They were corpses that were possessed by a spirit that kind of hung around in these places where they left bodies out to decompose. Interesting. I wish I could remember what those places were called, but... Yeah. Well, maybe I can elaborate a little bit. Not today, but like maybe on a future episode. Well, the, the cool thing about vampire lore is there's so much of it that you can just kind of... Um... Well, there's a lot of um, vampire history that originates out of New Orleans, like even with like the Casket Girls. Yeah. So. Ooh. Cool. All right. Well, with that being said, and my... I'll, I'll let you my very brief, <laughs> <laughs> My very brief segue into ancient hindu legend um let me ask you in your opinion what is a vampire like what makes a vampire a vampire in your opinion the somebody who comes back from the dead and like drinks blood or sucks energy or something like that okay if we're gonna be like super vague about it yeah essentially we can agree that typically it's a corpse that returns from the dead and and feeds off some life force from a human being to sustain itself mm -hmm. okay What's your favorite vampire movie? Oh, The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys? I knew you were going to say The Lost Boys, I, I think. Like, you knew that. <laughs> I felt like, but just the first one, right? Yeah, the sec the two that come after that are hilarious trash. But better or worse than Queen of the Damned? I love Queen of the Damned. Okay, well, I like Stuart Townsend. You can't make me shit on Queen of the Damned. Well, it's a shitty movie. Agree to disagree. 
Anyway. I'm just saying. Stuart just, Townsend, leather pants. Stuart Townsend is great. and I, But you know what? That's a whole different thing. We should just watch <laughs> Queen of the Damned and do like a reaction video to it. Can we just... Just saying, like, there's a lot to love about that movie. Is there? Leather pants. Okay, well. <laughs> um, I do love Stuart Townsend, but... Does he do, like, a decent Dorian Gray in League of Extraordinary He's an gentlemen? awesome Dorian Gray, and you know what? I will give him credit. He could be an awesome Lestat, but if the writing in that movie was a little bit better. <laughs> All but, right. Anyway, my favorite vampire movie is probably Shadow of the Vampire. I haven't seen that. You need to watch it. Um, Or, like, the Let Me Ins, either the foreign film or the remake. Or let the right one in. Haven't seen those either. That one's creepy because it's like a little kid vampire, right? And those are always um, creepy. My best friend's a vampire. Is that a Disney movie? I don't think it's Disney, but it's super cute. Yeah, well, it makes me think of like when I was younger. There was this book I read called The Silver Kiss, and it's like kind of one of those. It was around the same time as like. Fear Street or whatever, whatever R.L. Stein's like older kid series was. You remember what I'm talking yeah. about? Um, so it kind of had the same little teenage romance kind of thing to it. But spoiler, the dude was a vampire, and he was trying to catch his little brother who was like a baby that was a vampire little that was killing vampire. people. Yeah, that's adorable. So Shadow of the Vampire is about it's a movie about a fictional movie about the real making of. The movie Nosferatu, oh. but in the movie, the person playing a vamp, the vampire, is an actual vampire, and his payment is when the movie wraps, the director promised him he could have the lead actress, and it's Willem Dafoe as Count Orlock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty awesome, but we can agree though, no matter what our favorite vampire movie is or our favorite way to consume vampire stories. There are always sort of like these recurring themes in film and literature, right? Before we go any further, we have to discuss the elephant in the room. Okay. With the new movie coming out, or a new book coming out. Okay. Twilight. Oh, man, do we have to? <laughs> just saying, like, can we just agree to disagree that that is not the vampires we want to include? We don't have to agree to disagree. We can agree on that. I just mean with like maybe like listeners who may like Twilight. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm gonna just out myself. I read the whole series. I couldn't get past book one. I read it to the point where I was then consuming it because I needed to know what happened. <laughs> it was the last book I just laid on my couch and I read it and like I just read it in a day. It's not hard. No, it's like a. I, it's it's kind of like a really emo eleven greater with a thesaurus but anyway like you know like we're (laughs) can that not be included in this yeah no it won't be because like i said i kind of hyper focused um because right now i've been listening to a book series called the strain so in european folklore there's this idea that vampires often visit their loved ones and cause mischief or like deaths in their neighborhoods right where they (laughs) lived when they're when they're alive where they lived when they were alive (laughs) (laughs) and it's interesting because this trilogy i've been listening to called the strain is by chuck hogan and guillermo del toro it's not really your typical vampire story but it has this recurring idea in the books that newly turned vampires would very soon after their transformation return to their dear ones quote unquote like their loved ones in order to feed on them and spread this infection that they had oh gross so it's kind of the idea that the blood calls to them and the love that they felt as a human turns into an obsession as a vampire or something like that, right? It's just kind of like pheromones or something. It's like a corruption of love. Um, oh, okay. I'm not explaining it very well, but the series is definitely worth checking out. And in the beginning, it kind of seems like they're trying to put a scientific spin on vampirism, which puts a lot of people off. Um, but it very quickly leans back into more supernatural elements as the story progresses. So I just get halfway through the first book if if your main just like hang in there yeah if your main hesitation is that they're trying to science away vampirism just give it a chance keep going 
anyway, I just think it's I think it's kind of cool to see some of the more obscure folklore pop up in in a contemporary story. Now I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent. Okay. Which is sort of like we're gonna go into what I'm gonna be talking about, but I'm gonna circle back. Okay. Okay. Just bear with me. Hopefully it'll pay off. So to me, the coolest part of the strain focusing so heavily on this aspect of vampire folklore, this idea that blood calls to blood and newly risen vampires' first instinct is to return to its family and turn them into a vampire, is that this idea came from a complete misunderstanding of infectious disease. Okay. In fact, there are quite a few diseases running amok that just kind of gave the illusion that the life was slowly being drained out of a person. Could that be like... um tuberculosis it could very much be like tuberculosis yes i feel very Um, smart when like these things happen (laughs) so i guess essentially the life is being drained very slowly from the person but not by a vampire (laughs) right it's just kind of like because like they're spitting up blood and it kind of looks like they've been feeding or yeah oh that is one of the reasons (laughs) yeah and actually um i didn't mention that in the notes but with tuberculosis the blood that they spit up people are like oh whoa hold on hold on there now, obviously, as I mentioned, people during this time where they thought tuberculosis was vampirism didn't have a very strong understanding of infectious disease, and that sort of helped cultivate the idea that a revenant or a vampire returned to prey on their family first, because especially tuberculosis spreads very easily amongst family because there are big droplets that hang in the air in close quarters, you're going to probably get tuberculosis. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this in the, um, I think it was either the fourth episode, third or fourth episode, with Elena. Most of her family died of tuberculosis while she had tuberculosis too. That's such an awesome callback to an earlier episode. (laughs) I was thinking about tuberculosis coming up again when I was doing this. Yeah, so I was just like thinking about it. It's like, oh, wow. Welcome to our odd tuberculosis podcast. And a podcast dedicated to per- tuberculosis. <laughs> a podcast dedicated to the phlegm, the shortness of breath, and the coughing of blood. <laughs> um, yeah, so people were so sure that Grammy and Pop Pop were vampires that they would often <laughs> dig up bodies. Okay. Unfortunately, there are very natural characteristics of decomposition that did not help with these matters. Okay, well, I can imagine. So two very good examples would be receding gums and the appearance of growing hair and fingernails. Like natural body decomp. Yeah. That happens very shortly after death. Yeah. So needless (laughs) to say, if people weren't convinced that corpses were coming back to life before they dug them up, which they definitely were, or they wouldn't dig them up, uh, they definitely were after (laughs) because they looked like monsters. Also, some of the locations where these types of myths originated were fucking cold or could get really cold right so they're not like deep like decomposing like as fast right so a well-sealed coffin buried in winter could delay decomposition by several weeks or even months right so your run-of-the-mill 18th century dum-dum might expect a body to (laughs) decompose immediately so imagine their surprise when they dig it up later and it still looks pretty fresh right right And there's this really fun thing that happens when our bodies decompose. Intestinal decomposition kind of creates this bloating, which can force blood into the mouth. We know about bloating. Yeah, well, it can force blood into your mouth and give the appearance that old Uncle Dead Guy has been sucking on some blood. Interesting. Yeah. I like how all these, like, facts about, like, body decomp are, like, coming back. We haven't talked about, like, body decomp on our, like, show, but it's something that I'm, like, super interested in. I knew you would be into it, yeah. (laughs) So it's, like, yeah, bloating happens, like, because your torso will swell, but then, like, everything gets pushed either up or down. And force blood into your mouth. Imagine you dig someone up, they have, like, fresh, quote-unquote, I'm saying that not to be annoying, but because no one can see me doing quotations. Hand quotes. Quote-unquote. Fresh blood in their mouth, right? Yeah. So needless to say, these types of things had people freaking out. And, well, if they were digging up corpses, like I said, they were probably already freaking out, but now they're full-blown panic mode, right? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, New England had a whole-ass vampire panic over a disease that we are pretty damn familiar with these days. COVID? Not COVID. (laughs) So... Not surprisingly, this became known as the New England Vampire Panic. I don't know about you this. You don't know about this. I don't okay, think well, so. 
you you continue to speak. I'll tell you if I know about it. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to speak. I'm just gonna go ahead and apologize beforehand. It's I don't cover it as well as it could be covered, but it's definitely something that you want to look into because okay. it's interesting. It's fucking really cool. I'm hoping that once you'll start talking about it, I'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> so this now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But to put so eloquently. <laughs> well, it was act. It was actually the reaction to a 19th century around then outbreak of tuberculosis in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont, and other parts of New England. Of course, we know that consumption, as it was called in yonder times, spread pretty easily amongst family members, as we said. But again, not a very strong understanding of infectious disease in the 18th and 19th centuries. Oh, the theory of like the germ theory of disease hadn't come around yet. Yeah, it took a while. You know, here's the thing that gets me, okay? Old school doctors were fucking stupid. You could literally bandage somebody out and call yourself a doctor. Like, like hey, I'm a doctor. People were like, oh, hey, cool, this dude's a doctor. So there were people that were, you know, in the classrooms, they would cut open cadavers mm-hmm. to show their little baby doctors or whatever. <laughs> they would leave the cadaver room. And then go and do like a exam on a pregnant woman or deliver a baby. And they're like, why do these people keep fucking dying after we deliver these babies? Because we didn't wash our hands. Because you got dirty dead person juice all over your hands. And you're like all up in fucking. Just kind of like wipe it on themselves. Gross. (laughs) I don't know why I was wrist deep in this cadaver and he seems fine. (laughs) Sure, the dead guy is fine. Right. Sorry, please continue. So anyway, during this time, bodies were removed from their graves and their internal organs were ritually burned because there was an idea that these corpses were being possessed by evil spirits that were sustaining themselves on the blood of the living so the organ that housed the spirit needed to be destroyed, which may or may not be a reason why in vampire stories you have to stake the heart. And by doing this, they thought they could stop the spread of vampirism in their communities, Okay, which... To clarify, no one was calling vampirism. I don't think they had a word for it yet, right? They were just kind of like, this thing is happening. This evil dead thing is eating people. These people are coming back to life and eating people. Right. So let's have a closer look at some of these New England vampires. Okay. In 1846, this dude from Griswold, Connecticut, named Horace Ray, Mr. Ray if you're nasty, (laughs) died from a little thing you might have heard of called... Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Now, over the next six years, two of his grown-ass baby boys died of the same disease. Two years later, so I guess we're at eight years now, another one of his sons got sick. There was obviously only one answer to the mysterious, almost decade-long string of deaths following Ray's own demise. Luckily, Ray's family and friends had it figured out. The dead sons were feeding on the living one. Okay. This sounds very, like, familiar. You probably heard of it. Do you want to guess what the friends and family plan was? To dig up the two boys' bodies? In order to keep the remaining son happy and healthy. Happy and healthy. They dug up his dead bros and burned them. Because what else do you do when you suspect that your dead family member is visiting for a little late night sucky sucky? Did, uh... (laughs) Did, uh... Did the father think it was vampires uh he's the first one that died ray died ray horace ray died horace ray died and then his two sons died and then his two sons died and And then then the third son is sick is sick yes so people around town were like it's got to be vampires it's his brothers are vampires (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're coming back it's definitely his two brothers that are vampires okay not the father though no he's in the clear i guess he was in the clear this is 1846, okay. so like, you know what? Who fucking knows? Anyway, I'm not sure how it ended, but I'm pretty sure that he did not get it. He did not get better. Well, he had tuberculosis. I'm fairly certain he died. And there are actually quite a few of these cases, but we obviously aren't going to talk about all of them. Why not? Because there's a lot of them. Did you even try? Well, now I'm starting to wonder if... Uh... If I maybe should have talked about <laughs> one or two more. I do want to talk about one more case of vampirism. Though. Okay. And I'm hoping that I can, you know, stretch this out a little bit. 
Well, I remember, I, um, I feel like, I don't know if this is the same thing, but I remember it was like two sons and a daughter, and they were trying to figure out if one of them was a vampire, and the only way to do that was to dig them up and, like you said, burn them. But they had dug up the child, and she had, like, she had either been dropped and, like, it kind of shifted her. And it looked like when she opened the casket that she had been, like, moving. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if that's just, like, what happened whenever she was, like, decomposing, that she had, like, turned a little bit. Right. But they ended up, they're like, she's the vampire. I told that story wonderfully. No, that was good. Um, And you know what? I think you're really going to like this next story. Okay. <laughs> Um, this happened in Rhode Island as well. Okay. It was about 50 years later. Not exactly 50 years, but we're kind of rounding up. Give or take. From what I've read, this is one of the more famous cases to have come out of the New England vampire panic. And I think that's, that fame is just really a result of it being the better, one of the better documented cases. So without further ado, we skip to 1892. Christopher Columbus didn't sail the ocean blue? No, I think that was quite a bit earlier. <laughs> I said or he didn't. he's a vampire. This is the story of Mercy Brown. Mercy Brown. To be fair, it is a lot like the previous story. Okay. But I felt that I would be doing a disservice if I didn't mention Mercy Brown. Well, I'm excited. Please tell me I didn't just ruin your story. No, you didn't Okay, at all. cool. <laughs> it's kind of like the if you read the back of a book. Oh, okay. Um, that, yeah. So let me carry on before I start to ramble. Near the end of the 19th century, a gentleman named George Brown was having the worst time of his life. George's, As one does. Yes. George's wife, Mary, had died. Do you want to guess what she died from? Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. How did you know? Recurring theme in our podcast thus far. So, as if that wasn't bad enough, his oldest daughter, Mary Olive, not to be confused with his wife, Mary. His oldest daughter, Mary Olive. Wait, so we have Mary. The wife died. Yes. We have Mary Olive. Mary the do- Olive, daughter. the oldest daughter. Also died from the disease soon after her mom. Sad. It is sad. So Mary <laughs> also Olive. I love that name, Mary Olive. Mary Olive. That's a good one, huh? Mary Olive died in 1886. And if you think that Mr. Brown's woes were over, well, you're wrong. Okay. Quite wrong. Because in 1891, George Brown's other daughter, Mercy, as well as his son, Edwin, got that damn consumption, too. That's like four people in his family. Right. I think this is a good time to point out that by 1800, about one in every 250 residents of the eastern United States were dying of consumption. And between 1786 and 1800, it had claimed about 2% of the region's population. It would go on to kill about 25% of the East Coast citizens Just by the sad. end of the 19th century. 25%. <laughs> That's insane. And to think like tuberculosis didn't really get under control until like the 1900s. And I'm pretty sure you can just live with tuberculosis now with treatment and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> okay. Which like Excuse if me. our response to COVID is anything, any indication, you know. So, needless to say, some pretty serious shit that people didn't fully understand was going down, right? Mm-hmm. So, George's friends and neighbors were getting pretty goddamn suspicious. It's like, why is everybody dying in your house? Yes. At this point, also, Mercy had died. Mercy had died. So, by now... He's by lost the... his entire family. His son is still alive. He has one son left? Yes. So, at this point, Mercy had also died. And the locals were very convinced that one of the earlier deceased ladies were causing Edwin's illness. It took some convincing because I don't think George Brown was riding the vampire paranoia train as hard as some of the other people during this time. Mm -hmm. And there's a local newspaper that even reported, and this is a quote from the newspaper. We don't trust the newspaper. Yes, we do. Mr. Brown did not place much credence in the old-time theory and resisted their importunities until Wednesday when the bodies of the wife and two daughters were exhumed and an examination had under the direction of Harold Metcalf MD of Wickford so spoiler he eventually was persuaded to exhume the bodies of his loved ones so this grieving man yes is being told that he now has to dig up three of his family members who have recently died yes. and why did they only pick the females 
Well, they were all female that had died. There was one son, wasn't there? He's still alive. The lady oh. vampires are killing him. Okay, I take back what I said. <laughs> so on March... Simmering down on that rage there. <laughs> Say, calm down your rage there, miss. So on March 17th, 1892, with the village doctor, a reporter, and several villagers in tow, George and the gang moseyed on down to the graveyard and unearthed the bodies of Mary, Mary Olive, and Mercy. When did um, the first wife die? Mary died sometime before 1886. 1886. And when did the first daughter die? Uh, 1886. And when did um, the little one die? Mercy? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure she died in 91, 1891. Okay, so the two older ones, they've been dead for a while. They've been dead for a few years. Okay. Now, mama and daughter number one had the expected levels of decomposition or whatever the expected levels were in the minds of these notoriously dumb 19th century well, I'm idiots. trying to think of like what a body would look like by then, like without being embalmed. Probably not a whole lot left. Probably pretty gnarly, but mom and Mary Olive were like, okay, they're reasonably decayed. I think I knew this story. But Mercy, oh, have Mercy Brown. She wasn't, like, decomped, right? She showed barely any signs of decomposition. But when did she die? Was it, like, winter? It was, like, she had fresh, quotes, fresh blood in her heart and liver mm -hmm. and appeared to have turned in the grave. Ah, uh, okay, this is what I was talking about, mm -hmm. isn't it? So, never mind that she had essentially been stored in a freezer. This, I was going to say that. An above-ground crypt during a Rhode Island winter. And things, I feel like they probably shift during decomposition. Yeah. Nope, she was a vampire and something had to be done. I was also going to say, like, depending on, like, how tight her coffin was sealed, there's no air in it. Uh, the body will go through something called, like, saponification, and your skin basically turns kind of, like, waxy. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me more about that. It kind of, it, it's the same thing that happens, like, um, basically there's no oxygen, so there's no, your body, the bacteria can't feed. Mm-hmm. So your skin just gets this waxy, like, coating on top of it. So you look very, like, I don't want to say fresh, but you would look, you don't look decomposed. You don't look modeled. Right. But you don't look, decom like, decomposing. Like, you're not decomposing. Right. So you kind of just stay, like, in this weird um, state of being. Mm -hmm. Because, like, bacteria can't get in and your body's not. And what's it called again? Saponification. Saponification. I like, that's a good word. <laughs> yeah, so probably a little bit of that too, right? They basically, like I said, they put her in a freezer. So like if it's like cold air and depending on like how well her like crypt was, like there's reasons for her not to look decomposition. Right, and she... she or decomposing. She died in 91, 1891. They put her in her crypt in the winter, so towards the end of 91 she died. Yeah. They dug her up March 17th, 92. So she only been in the ground for like three months. Yeah, so like a few months and probably <gasps> and it's still Island. pretty fucking cold in March, right? <laughs> yeah. So like I said, people in this time, fucking dumb. <laughs> Idiots. But you know what? They didn't know any better. What's your excuse, people? Not you, but those people. You know what I'm talking about. College. You know who you are. So seeing as the blood was found in the heart and liver, these organs were burned. You want to know what they you want to know what they did with the ashes? What did they do with the ashes? The ashes were mixed with water to create a sort of elixir for Edwin to drink. Ew. I didn't know that. So the idea was that this tonic could negate the influence of the undead and resolve his illness. Okay. That's no. Right. I Edwin don't, don't died like that. 2 months later. <laughs> So that's pretty much the New England. I'm laughing, but I'm uncomfortable because that's just wrong. Okay, so like, hold on. Let's just wrap this all up real quick. Okay. This grieving father mm -hmm. had to dig up his family. Yep. They then burnt his youngest daughter. Yes, her heart and liver. Her heart and liver of the youngest daughter because they thought she was a vampire. Mm -hmm. Burnt it. Mixed it with some liquid and made him drink it. Yes. Was he fine before that? No, he was dying of tuberculosis. Oh, okay. So then, like, 
It just it didn't help. He did that for nothing. Yeah. So he drank his sister's. Can you imagine like how mad he was? Yeah. He's like, those motherfuckers. That shit was disgusting. And it's, um, Mercy's grave is still, it's in, I think, Exeter, Exeter, Rhode Island. Don't ask me. Um, <laughs> and you can visit it. Really? And people do visit it, in fact. We and should go visit it. The, yeah, we definitely should. The funny thing is people leave, like, little plastic vampire teeth or, like, That's trinkets so and That's stuff. That's okay. That's not, it's kind of cute, but it's not cute. And then one person left a note that just said, you go, girl. You go, girl. <laughs> so I don't know what's up with that, but what that's that fucking funny. Yeah. It was her, one of her fellow vampires maybe like, go, girl, you, you got go, him. Girl. I hope, like, whenever I die, somebody leaves, like, a little plastic thing of vampire teeth on my... I'm going to dig you up and drink your heart. Drink my heart? Yeah. Actually, you're going to be ashes anyway. I'll just use you to make Kool-Aid. I'm here for it. And then I'll die from some kind of weird, you're not supposed to drink people disease. Perfect. But that's pretty much the uh, the New England vampire panic in a nutshell. I did know that story. Yeah, see, you knew you knew it a little I bit. I kind of like, knew like, well, I knew that one story. I didn't know the other one. I think the first time I encountered it, it was referred to as the Rhode Island vampire panic. Yeah. Um, But... I guess it happened all over Connecticut. And one thing that I thought was Just cool like is that Northeast. in Eastern Europe at the time, okay, so we're in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. We're in New England, Connecticut, shit like that, right? Places like that. Up yonder. They were digging up bodies. Um, and then in 1990, they found like a mass grave. It had like 26 people in it or something that were supposed, I think they were supposed to be vampires. Do they? They think it's like vampire related? I think so. It's like... It is vampire-related in that it's tuberculosis-related, I guess. I'm pretty sure. But, sorry, the same type of stuff... It's just like a really bad Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> just a bad Thursday in Rhode Island. Or a regular Thursday in Rhode Island. I don't know, I've never been there. I've never been to Rhode Island. Um, what you got going up there, Rhode Island? Right, what's going on? Why so many vampires? So, while this is happening in the east northern northern east coast of the United States, in New England, the same type of shit is also happening in Eastern Europe. Do you think they like they know about each other? I somehow don't think they do. Okay. I just think it's like some kind of weird. You remember we were talking earlier about like um like who's that philosopher? Collective unconsciousness. Yeah. Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was something like that, or they could have heard of it. I don't know how readily the flow of news was between places in eight, the eighteen hundreds. No, they didn't have to Google it, so. But, you know, and motherfuckers didn't know to wash their hands. They probably weren't writing a letter to. You know, Baba and fucking Baba, or what? I don't know, Babushka and fucking <laughs> and Russia. Yeah. So if I could briefly double back, okay, and connect the dot from earlier, thought that the strain focusing on folklore that came to prominence as a result of infectious disease, in a story where initially the characters think that they're trying to combat some kind of strange new disease was pretty kind of like spot on right yeah it was pretty cool right yeah and i didn't think about that until i was doing this just like mid-researching it like that like, light bulb oh, come shit, off i got it now it's like Yarika. referencing itself but yeah i may have mentioned this but it's pretty neat to see some of the more obscure folklore manifested in modern media oh absolutely uh what else you got for me well now i'm going to very briefly touch on another bit of vampire folklore that i don't think we really see that often i love vampire folklore but first if i were to ask you who my favorite vampire was hey baby who would you say hey baby huh who's your favorite vampire no if you were if i were to ask you oh. who my favorite vampire was who would you say well i already know who it is so that's not fair who is it count count who? i don't know count count, count. von count <laughs> yes from sesame street from Sesame Street, that purple pimp daddy from Sesame Street. So Count Von Count is a character from Sesame Street. He's a little purple vampire man who likes to count things. One. He's ah, a ah, count ah. that counts. Because <laughs> that's clever, right? But what if I told you that this happy-go-lucky vampire's propensity towards counting is more than just clever wordplay? Or an OCD trait. 
Yes. So the first lyric in Count Von Count's song, Batty Bat, <laughs> is in old Transylvania when I was a lad. Okay? Okay. Now I'm super excited. Later in that segment, the Count says, he's like walking past some pictures or something. The singing stops briefly and he says, Oh, my happy childhood in the Carpathian Mountains. How well I remember, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. So the Count spent his childhood in Old Transylvania near the Carpathian Mountains. Okay. Which may just seem like a random tidbit of information about the backstory of a beloved fictional character, but it's important. Okay. okay. So his accent. I'm on the edge of my seat. The location where he grew up make it pretty clear that he's Romanian. Right, because mm-hmm. old Transylvania is now Romania. Well, you've been to Dracula's castle, haven't you, in have. Romania? Uh huh. Okay, it's awesome. Keep going. So this makes him Eastern European. You've East... been where Count von Count's from? Yeah, my favorite vampire. Eastern European folklore is where we get the idea that vampires suffer from a condition called arithmomania. What's that? I'm glad you asked. Arithmomania is a mental disorder that may be an expression of OCD that manifests as a strong desire for an individual to count their actions or objects in their vicinity. Oh. So when a suspected vampire would die, poppy and millet seeds would be sprinkled in coffins and around the grave to prevent a vampire from returning. But they just like count them for forever? Yeah, the idea is that... Is the, it because they're so small that it would take them forever to count poppy well, the, seeds? The idea is that the vampire would be compelled to pick up every single seed before being able to leave the grave. Just be pissed. Yeah. Who the fuck put these seeds everywhere? <laughs> God damn it. We have no fucking respect. No respect for my grave. Uh, sometimes a net would be used instead of, a, instead of seeds. Like what would a net do? So it's basically the same idea, except for they would need to untie the knots rather than pick up the seeds. They would sit there and untie and every untie single knot. Untie every single knot um, in a net. Okay. Net, net knots. Net knots. You're not getting out of that grave. You're not getting out of that grave. <laughs> You're not netting out of that grave. I don't know. You're not getting out of that coffin. So, so that's pretty cool, huh? Or not. Now, not for trying. You're probably thinking like that would probably t- that would take a while, right? But it's not foolproof. Cuz especially if vampires are fast or whatever, they could probably just do it real quick. They just set the the thing on fire. Well, in Polish folklore, and I am not going to pronounce this correctly. But okay. But there's a type of vampire called a or they call it like Wijeski. Okay. Sure. Apparently, they could only pick up one seed or untie one knot per year. So you can see how that might take a little while, right? Why could they only pick up? I one? have no idea. It's just like folklore just is so slow. <laughs> folklore is really weird. That's all I know. Because like, can you imagine if like they were almost getting ready to pick up the seed and like the wind blew? Oh my god! I can't imagine why it would only why it would take a year. I imagine they do it really quickly and then they're just like Fuck. sitting around. Another year before I can pick up oh that goddamn seed. Oh my god, seed. another fucking year. I've got 3,000 more to go. Uh, they're they're just, sitting there counting them. Oh yeah, they're counting the seconds. One, two. One, three. Mississippi. One Carpathian. Two, two Carpathian. Carpathian. Or someplace in Poland. Carpathian. I don't know. What's in Poland? Name a city in Poland. Uh, uh, Auschwitz. Okay. Well, well, maybe not that one. I was, I was hoping for something. With That's a little the few more only syllables. one. Um, ah, so yeah, Count von Count, not just a clever um, purple puppet with a funny sounding name, but there's some folklore attached to it. So Norman Stiles, the guy who invented Count von Count, whether he intentionally or unintentionally inserted old Eastern European folklore into a children's show, is a fucking genius. In I was book. just gonna ask you if he like if he ever made a comment that he did that on purpose or not i tried so hard to find something about that is he alive I could not i don't actually know if he's still alive we're gonna have to find him we're gonna have to see if, and if, if he, he isn't i'm gonna have to ask him i am willing to bet that he did that on purpose we're gonna there's some poppy seeds right on his grave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm willing to bet he did that on purpose i sincerely hope he did 
But, I kind of love it. Yeah, it's like, hey man, you know what would be really funny? You know how vampires have arithmomania? What if we made him a vampire on the show Count Shit, and he's Count Von Count? I just like Count Von Count. And every time he says his total, I don't know if you know this, but lightning and thunder cracks and lightning flashes. I guess I need to watch Sesame Street again, because I did not remember that. Apparently, I know more than I should probably about Count Von Count. Apparently he has his own personal cloud that follows him around. So okay. even when it's bright and sunny outside, he he's still like, has, like one, two, three, three butterflies or whatever. And it's ah, like... Ah. Lightning and shit, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, like, his grandma and grandpa, one has rain that happens when they count, and one has snow. Oh, that's cute. And then uh, he had a girlfriend named Countess Von Backwards. And she count counted out. backwards. Right. Yeah. So, everybody, come for the vampire, uh, the vampire panic. Stay for the Sesame Street. <laughs> Um, that's that's pretty much it about that. I just thought it was really cool that. No, that is definitely cool. Sesame Street, um, representing the Arithmomania vampire folklore, which you don't really see at all. I think it happened in the X Files, but I've never heard of it. Just that specific like folklore. Yeah, because Mulder like threw something down because they were being oh, chased I by like. Telling a, me about that. They're being chased by something, and he threw a bunch of like. I don't know, raisins or some shit on raisins. the ground. Trail mix. Yeah, trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to peanuts. Oh, no. No. Uh, 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 uh. One anaphylactic. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I have to say. It's That was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. Well, I could tell you about the casket girls if you want. Yeah, tell me about the casket girls. Um, I heard this story on a New Orleans vampire tour. And I was, like, pretty much instantly obsessed with it. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, New Orleans natives are pretty proud to trace their roots back to these women. So taking it back a long, long time ago, when Louisiana, more specifically, New Orleans was mostly felons and, like, the less desirable folks mm -hmm. um, were shipped off for France to the New World, Louisiana being the New World, um, they began to complain that they didn't have wives. So they asked King Louis. Because they got no game. Because they ain't got no game for nothing. Um, so King Louis, they asked King Louis to send women because there were none. And they were supposed to colonize Louisiana. And they didn't have no babies for the colonization. So where were all the women? Because these were like criminals or what? Yeah, they shipped off a bunch of criminals from okay. France to the New World in an effort to give them like, they could either stay in prison or they could come to Louisiana. That's a toughie. So a lot of people came to Louisiana to get their freedom back. But there's no women here. So they asked King Louis the Fifteenth if he could send some women. Because how are we supposed to colonize Louisiana if we ain't got no women? Right. Um. So King Louis thought it over. Seemed it pretty reasonable. It's like, I guess I could send some I ladies I could over. send some women. So King Louis obliged and sent, um, it was alleged that he sent 300 virgins over to the New World. 300 virgins. To the New World of New Orleans. All right. Mind you, it takes a while to get to America from France via ship. So after months and months and months at sea, um, these girls arrived to America not looking their best. Fair. Um, they were described as pale and gaunt and skinny, and their luggage looked like, to the colonists that were here, looked like caskets or like coffins. And it didn't help that their suitcases were called caskets, which eventually morphed into the word casket, or casquet, which is the Cajun word for casket. Um, so these skinny, pasty, casket-wielding women, they were a little more than off-putting to the colonists, especially when some of them would cough up blood, probably due to tuberculosis. Oh, dear. Go so, TB. So that's where some of the rumors started that, they were vampires. Okay. Um, so either way, the nuns at the Ursuline Covent had been tasked to care for these girls at least until their marriages had been arranged. But life wasn't all that it was cracked up to be down here in the deep south with no air conditioning. Um, it wasn't the, the life that these girls had dreamed of. 
No, I suppose not. I mean, like, the Cafe Dumont wasn't there. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, I would have stayed for some beignets, but I digress. Big nets. Big nets. Um, so, many of the cask girls had started to disappear, leaving behind their caskets. More rumors began to circulate since these women were disappearing, and many of the girls who had left their suitcases or their caskets, many of them were left behind empty. Oh, right. So people believed that they had been emptied all along and that the girls had brought with them French vampires. Ooh. Um, That's then, how Lestat got here. The nuns were having none of that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> so after the nuns had managed to marry off the rest of the girls that had stayed um the nuns moved the girls caskets to the third floor attic of the um the convent uh-huh um and then someone tending to the luggage had discovered that all of the caskets were empty and they feared that something supernatural was happening so the nuns bolted the attic door and used nails that had been blessed by the Pope himself. The Pope himself. Um, to they, see- were, they was blessed by the Pope himself. They had been blessed by the Pope themselves to seal the attic, uh, windows, and doors shut. Um, the windows were shuttered, which was odd for the French Quarter. And it was rumored, or like legend has it, that the shutters had a strange habit of opening in the middle of the night. The nailed shutters? The nailed sh- shutters that had been nailed shut. Then the sh- they've yes. been nailed shut. Or- okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, the paper that I bought, like the wax sealed paper that I bought from the van- boutique du vampire in New Orleans. Yeah. It had a like a little paragraph about the casket girls, and if I'm not mistaken, there are like a specific number of nails that they used, and that it's still closed, like the third. There's yes, they're supposed to still be closed. They've been nailed shut, and then I'm pretty sure. Every so often, they will get the nails re-blessed by the Pope. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's still going on today. But also, um, back in 1978, a whole 250 years later, after the casket girls had arrived, a couple of amateur reporters decided to do an investigation on this window business, but they were denied access to the coven's attic by none other than the archbishop. Um, They climbed the covent wall and spent the night outside just waiting for the attic windows to open. Um, And the next morning, their decapitated bodies were found on the steps of the convent. 80% of their blood had been drained, as in it wasn't on the ground. Their blood was just gone. Um, And their murders have never been solved. So this is like a real murder that happened? Mm Mm-hmm. Weird. uh... Yeah, so that these two... I think it was the nuns. (laughs) Maybe the nuns are vampires. Maybe. Vampire nuns. But um, in reference to the shutters that they're talking about, the shutters weren't installed until like a whole century after the casket girls had arrived. So that kind of dismisses that part of the story. But it's kind of like a fun little legend to tell. Yeah. Especially like the part where two people got decapitated and desanguinated. Right. But yeah, there's like a whole... This is basically like where... Louisiana came from was these settlers, the right. casket girls. I didn't realize it, that the vampire mythology ran so deep in New, in Louisiana. It's very um, very much a part of like their coming up coming up story, their yeah. heritage. Yeah, I don't know. vampiric heritage. heritage. Oh, You'll find like all over New Orleans, but like uh, mystical things like with voodoo and vampirism. And I'm pretty like, sure, like they're... you just said, there's a whole vampire du boutique. Yeah, Boutique du Vampire. Not to keep mentioning it, but first of all, it's a really cool place. And second, when we were there, we learned about their book club. And the book they were reading at the time was Casket Girl. It was right. about the Casket Girls. But when you think about like New Orleans, has like, uh, what is it, um, Interview of the Vampire takes place in New Orleans? Yeah. Um, Anne Rice. was French. Anne Rice is from New Orleans, who does a lot of vampire books. Most all vampire books, right? Yeah. It's kind of No, fun. not all vampire books. She writes about witches and mummies and shit. You heard it here first. Anne Rice also. And Jesus. Does she? Yeah, there's a some series about Jesus where, like, he's a kid and, like, he accidentally kills his friend or something and then he brings him back. It's weird. We'll have to, I'll have to read that. Yeah, it's called, like, Christ Out of Egypt or something. Interesting. You remember when 
for a while. I don't know if she's still on this kick or not, and like I'm not trying to negate, minimize, minimize it or whatever. But she's called all of a sudden like, "Hey, I'm a Catholic," and I'm like really into it again. It was somewhere around there that she wrote that. Interesting. I have to look it up. But yeah, so I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of um, weird See, things coming out of New Orleans. You proved my point that I talked about earlier too. Is that there's just so much vampire stuff. You got to be specific. Or yeah. it's going to be overwhelming. Well, there's vampires literally in every... I'm going to say literally in like every... Um, words are hard today. Like every culture? Every culture. I'm pretty sure Because they were right. talking about vampires like in Egypt, and they were talking about vampires in French or in France, and vampires in London. There so, was, If I'm not mistaken, there was a Egyptian goddess who like drank blood, and she had a whole cult. Right, so it's but not... Yeah. Vampires everywhere. Her name was Akasha. Akasha. Just kidding. Um, That wasn't actually... It was like Sekhmet or something. I could be wrong. Anyway. Okay, cool. Well, what else you got for me? This isn't my episode. Oh, well. I mean, that's all I got. You got tuberculosis. You got Count Von Count. You got Casket Girls, which was just kind of a fun bonus. That wasn't really planned at all. No. It was a lot of fun. It was like a little quick, little shallow dive. And you know what? It fit with the theme, too. So So this is the episode that comes out before Halloween. And you know what? Definitely messed up on the last episode. Oh, yeah. I said that it was... <laughs> <laughs> I put a warning, too, on the last episode. I said, oh, good. I said, we say this is the, the, the day before Halloween. It is not. Please excuse our excitement. We're just so excited. Um, But I think the Casket Girl thing, too, kind of... Um, it fits in with some vampire folklore that they have to be in, in like in a coffin across water. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So maybe, maybe we'll have to do another episode on vampires later. For sure, for sure. Or just we'll just talk about tuberculosis. Let's be honest. Well, the next episode is going to be solely on tuberculosis. We're just going to get it all out of the way. Yeah, we're going to talk about the supernatural aspects of tuberculosis. Of tuberculosis. Yeah. <laughs> It's like people think it's TB, but really it's just vampires. Lupus. Anyway, um, that's all I got. Uh, hey, check us out on our website. Yeah, www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. We have a sidebar now that has all our links. Yeah, we're on Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher. Google Podcast. Um, maybe we'll hear back from Pandora soon. We'll see. Um, but right now we do have a Spotify link. We have our stitcher link we have our instagram our personal instagrams twitter and a link to darrenmusic.com darrencurtismusic.com he does our intro and outro music and yeah. i'm going to 100 percent get the facebook group going this yeah. upcoming week we're still trying to get everything sorted but you know what just keep listening keep telling your friends um, we've had like 200 and something listeners since we started, which is very exciting to me is really exciting. Um, yeah, keeps sharing the love and I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Um, we're the boneses. This is the boneses. And we are out. out.